0: find your place in isaiah fifty three you know um, you know when you 've had one of those weeks where you sort of forget what day it is, um, it means you 've been more than busy um, and so I, th- I think it was I think it was Thursday night or friday night i don 't really remember which one we left here and went to um, La Casina, and it was David and Karen and myself and Casey. And um, we uh, we got the bill, and the guy tells us it's been paid. And uh, I remember seeing the guy wave at me, and I said, I bet that guy paid our bill. What a blessing. What a blessing. What grace. And then yesterday, I had, you know, that's happened to me before. My alternative office is open kettle, and I've sitting there many a times, and Went to pay for my breakfast and someone's paid for it, you know, and what a blessing, right? Every time. But yesterday something happened to me, never happened to me in my life. I went down here to Quality Mart. That's where I usually go for gas if I'm in town and I pumped exactly $41. I know it was $41, because I was even gonna have a either an even amount or I was gonna squirt gas onto the concrete. My, you know, my mild case of OCD had taken over and I wanted $41. <laughs> And so I, was, I pay him with cash, so I walked in the store, and, uh, and I said, I'm here to pay on pump number six, and one of our former students from the warehouse was running the cash trust, he says, it's been taken care of. And I said, I, try, I didn't even see anybody I knew. I was really trying to think of who I might have sought. No one's ever paid for my gas. And if you knew me at all, I delight. I del- one of my favorite things in the world is when I drive David's truck and I drive his gas out. So- and so to think I got to drive my own gas out with no penalty was, was just such a delight. You know, it was, it was awesome. It was flat out awesome. Well, you know, what we're talking about tonight is the massive payment of a debt, except it's not La Casina. You know, I went into La Casina with the capacity to pay for my meal and I did not order more than I could afford. I incurred a debt with knowledge that I knew I could pay. I went to the gas station. I, I have 50 bucks, and I said to myself, I'm either going to fill it up or put 50 bucks in, because that was what I had, right? And I put 41, and I was like, awesome. I got $9 I can hide away from care and do something cool with. (laughs) FPU schemes. I didn't incur a debt I couldn't pay. But when when it comes to our moral debt, when it comes to, when it comes to, the debt that sin created, we have each and every single one of us incurred a debt that we do not have the capacity to pay. We do not have what it takes to pay for that. And so praise God, praise God, in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6 tonight, we're going to see very clearly that exactly what Jesus did was pay a debt we could never pay, And then he grants a reward we should never expect. You have your Bibles. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 53, verses four through six. The Bible reads like this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Father, open this word to us and open us to this word. And even more so, open us to the Savior. Grant us fresh wind, and fresh fire, and be there any soul out of fellowship with you. Put your cords of love around them and draw them to yourself. In Jesus we pray, amen and amen. The point of these verses makes me have to say a word that you just don't hear every day, but it has to be known. This word has to be thrown out tonight. Jesus offered a propitiation in his death. Now, I want to spend all night talking about propitiation and atonement and stuff like that, but I ain't going to do it. (laughs) And so instead, I left you a little definition in the in the bulletin. He offered a propitiation in his death. He satisfied the holiness and the righteousness of God. And he did that as our substitute. In other words, he. He stood in our place and did what we could never do in offering holiness, in offering righteousness. But he also stood in our place in taking on wrath, in taking on wrath. If you're not completely holy, if you're not completely righteous, then the wrath of God is coming on you and me. And we either will bear that wrath ourselves, or someone will bear that wrath for us. The someone who is able to bear that wrath is Christ. He is the one. He is our atoning sacrifice. He is our propitiation. But what's funny, what's funny, and I'll talk about this more toward the end, is it doesn't just end God's righteous anger. It opens God's incredible favor. And I'll tell you the truth. That's the part I cannot get over. I just can't get over that. And we'll come to that toward the end. Before we get into three quick thoughts, And nobody ever believed me when I say say quick. I wouldn't believe me this time either. Let's back up and remind ourselves of the context of Isaiah 53. Usually people talk about Isaiah 53, and what they're making the assumption of is it's a future prophecy that sort of reveals the coming Jesus, the coming Messiah, rather, and what would happen to him on the cross. But actually, Isaiah 53 is a future-future prophecy. In other words, they're looking past Calvary. Those first few verses in Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 3, what they do is tell us the lament that Israel will sing one day. They'll look back and they'll say, if you'll let me put it in my own words, he didn't come from anywhere, he didn't look like much. We figured since God was beating his behind that he wasn't worth our attention, and we ignored him. As a matter of fact, we didn't just ignore him, we disdained him. This, the last great revival would be for Israel. I don't know if y'all know that. That's a sermon series for another day. And during this great revival, they're going to sing that lament. It'll, it'll sound like an episode of Scooby-Doo. Ruh-roh, we blew it. But in this last great revival, according to the scriptures, a great many in Israel of the day will be saved. hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to harp on this, but if I've done my math right, about two-thirds of Israel at that time be saved. Wow. Wow. And that two-thirds will, will, one-third will just have this lament. We didn't think he's much. We don't think he's much. That other two-thirds will say, wait a minute, now we have seen it. We have seen that he was stricken or smitten, stricken, smitten, for us we'll see that this this uncomeliness about him was for us and we'll come to the great realization that his ugliness, listen to me now, listen to me, church. The ugliness that was upon the Messiah was never his. It was ours. And when we see that ugliness was ours, Will finally understand the beauty of His carrying it. So that's the future, future. As a matter of fact, look at look at how cool the scriptures are. Look at Zechariah. I'll have it here on the screen. Zechariah chapter twelve, verse number ten. Look at this cool, and you'll recognize it. You'll think about the cross when you read this. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, own Him. Whom they have, say at church, pierced. What's that make you think of? The cross, right? Instead of breaking his legs, they, they pierced him. And look at what it says they'll do. They'll look on him, on me, on, on him whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. I, I'll go ahead and just pause right there. It, it, you know, just watching my mom and dad lose a child, and it wasn't the only child, right? You know, they had three more and one put them to their knees over and over again. Look, look how deep this mourning will be. As something that is gone that was unique. It couldn't be had again. That's the unique son of God. They'll, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. Now check this out. A few verses later in Zechariah. Zechariah 13, 1. On that day, there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. Andrew, I I didn't ask you to do this, but just come come up here for a second. All right, so so get this image. I'm not literally going to stab you, so go ahead and be set at rest about that, okay? But put yourself on the cross, face them, put yourself on the cross. All right, and I think it was probably the other side, but just for the sake of speed. Now, get this image. They pierced him, and then what comes out? Blood and, see, everybody knows, and that looks terrible. It sounds terrible, right? If we, Do you have a sphere? We could show them. No? Okay. But look at the beauty in it. See, to them, it looked grotesque, this thing that God is striking. God is striking it so it can't be beautiful. It pierced him. Zechariah says one day they'll weep for this. They'll mourn and they'll see a fountain was opened for them. Thank you, Andrew. Can you see that fountain floor? No wonder you get those old great hymns. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood. Do what, church? The old people in the church, kids, they just came through for me. <laughs> Brenda. <clears throat> All right, so at first, at first, at least as far as we can tell, the majority of Israel to this date is still in this, you might say, verses 1 through 3 mode. There's going to come a day. There's going to come a day when there will be a great revival. And Israel will, will, will oh, my gosh. My goodness, heaven, we are ashamed before you, heaven, that we have stricken this. And now we feel it, we feel it, the one who we have struck, the one who we rejected, we feel it like we've lost the firstborn only son. And not only did we lose it, in losing it, in losing him, he opened a fountain that took care of my sin and my uncleanness And they'll see that the ugliness was theirs and the beauty was his, that the grossness was theirs, and the liberty was a gift. And Israel will moan in terror, and Israel will moan in relief. Somebody is probably thinking, man, this is pretty heavy, but it's gold. (laughs) That's why it's so heavy. So three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts from Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. We have to answer this question, why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? The simple answer is he died in our place. He died in our place. He died He died as a suffering substitute. First big idea is this. He took our pain so we could experience his pleasure. Go back with me, if you would, and look at verse number four. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now, it's easy for us to look back at the earthly ministry of Jesus and see how he touched the physical ailments of the day. People who were lame were given the power to walk, People who had demons in them were, were, demons were cast out. The blind were made to see, the deaf were made to hear. This was all part of his healing ministry at work. But also, 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 Jesus dealt with grief. You remember the story of the, 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 the woman who lost her son and Jesus brings the son back to life? Jesus also dealt with emotional pain and spiritual pain, sin sickness, and so when you read, when you read in, in uh, Isaiah chapter number 53 and verse 4 that, that he bore our griefs, he carried our sorrows, this is real. He has already carried the load of every sorrow ever, Now I come from a big family, and uh, you know, when you come from a really big family, you start dealing with death kind of young. The first one that I really remember hitting me was my, were my Granny Sue. And uh, I really loved going to see Granny Sue. She would let me color the teeth in the magazines of the ladies. You know, they smiling, and I'd make them all missing teeth. And, you know, none of my other relatives were cool like that. She, would, uh, she was really old-fashioned. She would always wear a bonnet when she went outside. She would give you dry cereal for a snack. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, it was really, it sounded unconventional. Turns out she was just poor. <laughs> I thought we were just having a good time, though. I, I was like, man, Granny Sue is the bomb. It's like, I have no coloring books, write in the magazines. I have no coolie snacks, eat these, you know. She fell and broke her hip, was in the hospital a couple of days and died. I was, I was like maybe eight, nine, ten. I think I was nine. And it, it had a big impression on me. I was like, man, don't break your hip. Uh, turns out it's not that severe, but she was just also old and frail. Monia setting in and took her pretty quick. But I remember, man, this, this is going to stink. I mean, I've had people pass away in my life. One of my grandfathers had passed away. But I didn't go see him every day. I went and saw Granny Sue nearly every day. And I, I felt this void. And, you know, honest, I, st- I still miss her. It's been 40 years. I still miss her. I, I like that old lady. I miss time with her. I'll never forget one time I was studying the scriptures, and it dawned on me. That, the, that grief, that grief over her has a timestamp, because Jesus is carrying it away from me. I've had umpteen knee surgeries, a couple back surgeries. The only time I'm in pain is if I'm breathing. It has a time stamp on it. I've made a ton of mistakes, some that people let me forget, some that people seem to never let me forget, that regret. Are you starting to catch up with me? It's got a time stamp on it. My sin, my sin because I've given it to Jesus and he's received it. He bore it. That's the whole thing about Israel. They're going to realize, wow, the ugliness was mine. I see that the ugliness was mine, but Jesus was not just carrying it. He's carrying it away. Do you know how we talk about forgiving and forgetting? Now, y'all know my favorite Greek word, right? What is it? Well, I have a teacher, a variant, on that one today. Forgiving and forgetting is a really human thing. It's not a quality of God. Because what we say when I, you know, like, like Clay does me wrong, I'll say to myself, I'll forgive you. That means we're not going to have like this ongoing tension between us, conflict, but I won't forget it. That means I won't trust you anymore. The fellowship hasn't really been restored. And if you look at God's way of forgiving and forgetting, It's holy, it's righteous, it's real. Our way is unmitigated hogsnot. Had to get worse than hogwash. What Israel didn't realize is in bringing up the ugliness of their sin, it wasn't simply to crush them. It was to bring it out and bless them because he wasn't just going to carry it. He wasn't only going to parade it. He was going to take it away. This is our Jesus He took our pain. He took all the pain, not just the pain of sin, not just the pain of grief or sorrow, but the pain of shame, the pain of regret, the pain of failure, the pain, every pain you could imagine. He took the pain. And his point of taking it was to carry it away. But when they saw that happening, they said, Oh, he can't be from God. They esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. This can't be from God. So, this great revival, they're going to realize, Oh, boy, we, we, we missed what that was about. Well, let me ask you, friend, have you missed what Jesus' suffering was all about? I read five words in a commentary a long time ago that shook me. Five words. You ready for them? Five words. No other God has wounds. Look at all the other gods of the world. Look at Muhammad, Siddhartha, Gautama, Confucius, all the people who are worshipped. The Shinto gods, they, you know, they worship the emperor of the day. Look, none of these other gods have wounds, and the ones that have gotten wounded, those wounds didn't carry anything away. But in every wound of Christ, he stacked the sorrow and sin of man, and he did not just take it, he took it away. God really does forgive and forget. One of my favorite lines in no brother where art there is the guy says, I'm a forgiving and a forgetting Christian. And when he's saying it, he has absolutely no intention of being that way. You know how I know? Because he throws a buddy in and takes away everything he ever said. Why does he do this? It's not just so you can get even. It's so that you can experience what he deserves. He takes what we deserve so we can experience what he deserves. Secondly, He took our punishment so we could have peace. Look at verse 5 with me very quickly. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. I I can't get that image out of my mind. And, you know, Andrew, thank you for helping me. But I, I just love that image, that spear opening that fountain. But we have to talk about this peace for a moment. In Romans chapter three, verse 26, it says that Jesus is just and the justifier. In other words, he was right and he's the one that makes us right. Romans chapter five, verse number one says, now that we are justified, we have peace. Now that we are justified, we have peace. I, let me illustrate this in the most ridiculous way I can. Uh, uh, I've told my wife this story, I said, don't y'all worry, this is not gonna upset her. I was stationed in Korea at one time and, and uh, I had, I had I had gone down to Seoul where a lot of English speaking people went to this one part of the city and I, I met a girl from Australia. Well, first thing first, she was about six two. And I always like I like tall women and I like when you dance, you can lay your head on their shoulder. Like you finally I get a break, I can rest a while, you know. And we, we we was dancing and stuff and then that accent, you know, I suddenly became like that guy from Sling Blade. I said, like, I like the way you talk, you know. And we, 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 uh, we dated pretty steady there for a few months, and, and then it you know, it dawns on me, I mean, I'm, I'm getting ready to go away, and I didn't know exactly where I was going, but I knew I was going to California for a while, which is a whole other story. And I wanted to get my heart away from her. I don't know if anybody's ever been there. When you know something's ending, you start trying to pull your heart away from it. You start withdrawing. And she recognized it. She was pursuing me, and, and uh, she, she even pulled that deadly weapon on me. She said, I love you. And I said, I like you real hard, too. But <laughs> And uh, I, I eventually cut off all contact, which was much easier then than it is today, you know, the Internet being what it is. And... Uh, I was getting ready to go. I was literally going to take a flight in like six days, and I decided to go down to the area of the city where we had first met to see some friends down there. I ran into one of her friends and says, you're really going to regret this breaking up with her. And I go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. She's a really, I know she's really sweet. She's, she's tall, it's awesome, she can, you know, she's very nice, she's got a cool accent. I know I'm going to live to regret this, I know. She says, no, her, her dad's a several hundred million dollar millionaire. I was like, what, what's her number again? <laughs> but truth be told, that wasn't enough to entice me. She wasn't going to move to America, and I was I, if Have y'all seen the different kinds of snakes in Australia? <laughs> now, I ain't even scared of them, but your boy just said, no, we're not going to Australia. You know, a lot of times what we think about and we need to think about it. We only think about salvation from the negative term. And we need to think about that. Because what is God really saving us from? He's saving us from his own wrath. Somebody say amen. A just and righteous recompense for our sin. That's what he's saving us from. But you know what? We should stop and celebrate sometimes what he's saving us for. Now, this is really a scheme of mine. So let me find out something. Who in here has an alarm on your house? Anybody? Oh, man, this whole congregation is poor. Oh, okay, Jackie. Jackie, you got one? All right. So, so Jackie, let's imagine I I break into your house, and I, I burn all your family pictures. You know, uh, I eat all your non-mammal-based products. You know, I tear some stuff up, and the alarm has gone off. And so I'm totally caught in the act, right? It's no debate, right? And uh, the police come, and they notify you, and you say, We've caught Tim in your house. What do you want to do? Now, if Jackie's going to be like Jesus, this is exactly what it's going to be like. Hey, I forgive him. You know, I kind of want to shoot him. And Dale has lots of guns, so we can. And no one would argue that he's guilty, right? But we're not going to do that. God said, you're not going to press charges? No, we're not going to press charges. And they would start to corral me up and head me out. Jack says, "No, no, 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 move him in. Take Michaela's old room, freshly painted, and he can take her job of keeping Dale up at night. And he not only can he eat Michaela's food, but he can eat Grace and Mary's food. <laughs> not Grace's, w- would that cost me something? Yeah. Do you, is she, does she get hangry? I'm hung up on this now. Does she get food emotional, you know? Okay, all right. Let me write that down real quick. I know she'll forget her keys anywhere she goes. I know that in Jesus' name. Beloved, 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 don't you see this is the way of our God? And the reason it seems so offensive is because it's so not our way. You, you've done me wrong. Away with you. Lock you up out of my presence. But God says, Come, you offender, into my house as one of my beloved own. When the Bible tells you that he was pierced for our transgressions, it cost him. It was punishment, punishment, punishment. He was crushed. He was chastised, but what was the point of it? The point was it brought us peace. God is not going to pour out his wrath on those who have faith in Christ. And not only that, he's going to give them his reward. I mean, don't get political in your thinking. Just see the illustration. Like right now, it's like we're not, we're not really angry at Mexico. But we're also saying, like, chill at the border. God is saying, you know, you're citizens of the world. You deserve to be a citizen of heaven. I'm going to make you a citizen in my kingdom, and I'm going to give you all the inheritance of my son. Do you see the way to salvation? You say, well, what have I got to do? You can't. If I do to you what it would take for you to buy this, you wouldn't survive it. i have upset, River. We got to hurry up and get finished. And it's not just, I mean, it's the whole package. Colin Smith said it like this, we have peace with God. The word means wholeness, health, the absence of war and safety. In a messed up world filled with broken people and broken promises through Christ, we have peace that passes all human understanding because it doesn't operate by human standards. We are healed, he continues, we are healed from our guilt, healed from our hatred, healed from our doubt, healed from our shame. Through Christ, broken people are put back together again, just like we sing. So when they looked at all that ugliness, when we look at the ugliness of Jesus, the ugliness of sin, it's ours. He's carrying it away. When we look at the brutality of the cross, it's what we deserve. What is his point? To take it away and to bring us peace. And Last but not least, very quickly. He took our place at Golgotha so we could join him in his place with God. Isaiah 53, 6, again, all we like sheep have turned. Everyone has gone his own way. Who Who, who is going astray? Who? I say it all the time. It's probably an illustration you're tired of, but I want us to see it. Too often we picture our salvation like we're flopping around out in the water waiting for somebody to throw us a styrofoam donut. We're not just out here hoping somebody will pluck us out of the water. We are the Titanic. We are sunk. We were born at the bottom of the ocean. Isn't that the testimony of Ephesians 2? We were born dead in our trespasses and sin. It's our nature. It's our nature. All we like sheep have gone astray. So what does Jesus do? He takes every wayward path and unifies them at the full cross and the empty tomb and brings every sheep home to the shepherd. He goes out. He finds the one. He's already rested the 99. It's not that he ignores the 99. He's rested them. And he's out there searching somewhere today, maybe even in this room. You know, I've always said this as a compliment to Rachel, and, uh, you know, whoever God brings to your family, you know, you've got things that only you can give them, and they've got things only they can give you. Every family member just contributes. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a grumpy Gus. Um, it's just the way I am. Whenever, if I'm sad, I get angry. You know, if I ain't happy, I'm mad. Whatever emotion I got just comes through, angry. Well, every, I mean, even to this day, she's 17. She is 17 going on 18. It's true. She'll still sit in my lap and give me a hug. But When she was little, she would just invade that moment. A lot of times I didn't want it, but she didn't care. That's the pursuit of the Holy Spirit in people's life. It's just like that. You know, it's like, leave me alone. He said, I ain't going to do it. Go away. I'm not going to do it. I want to go my own way. I'm going to keep harassing you out of love. I'm going to push my love against you. But I don't want you, Jesus. Pick your reason. You think he's ugly. You think he's too demanding. Whatever. Pick your reason. I don't want you, said, but I want you. I don't need you. Pick your reason. You're wrong. He says, yeah, you do. Because he wants to bring the sheep home. Have you noticed lately, side subject, have you noticed how people keep using sheep as a negative metaphor in political terms? I just want to scream at them. I like being a sheep! But you know why being a sheep sometimes is negative? Because you got the wrong shepherd. We, like sheep, have gone astray. So what does he do? He sends a great shepherd. Everyone needs the Lord. So let's suppose for a moment that you were even cognizant of everything you've done against God's holiness and everything you've left done in the face of his holiness. You left undone. Let's suppose you had that list. Every idle word, every thought, every deed were written down. Do you think if it was put on paper that you could even carry it? No, you couldn't. I'm going to go ahead and answer that. So, what does he do? He bears the load. Why? Because we're titanically sunken sheep in desperate need of a life-giving Savior. So, the shepherd comes looking to round us up. Now, in true to the context of Isaiah 53, in that great revival one day, Israel is going to look back and go, oh boy. We had that wrong. He was for us. Let me ask you a simple question. Do you see it today? Do you see that Jesus is for you? I mean, he's for you. Do you see that even in his piercing, it was so that God, he he was almost like the rock that Moses struck. Moses struck that rock in unrighteous anger. God struck Jesus in righteous anger. And what comes out is a fountain of salvation flowing full and free. And any sinner plunged beneath that blood is loose from all their guilty stains. Sometimes you can get a cute sermon. Every time you ought to demand good theology, sometimes they come together but in the deep waters of our faith. You know what this is telling us? Jesus stood in our place and took the punishment we couldn't handle. He brings us to his place to give us the blessings we never deserved. It's all about Jesus. What people often call Easter weekend, and if you know me at all, you know how I feel about that. The death, the atoning death, The substitutionary suffering that Christ did was to take on this load of grief and sin. And the defeat of death was to kill off our enemy so that he could lead us in procession of all his rewards. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, in the core of your being, in the seat of who you are, if you believe, if you believe and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, according to the Bible, Romans chapter 10 you will be, say it, church, saved. Saved from what? The righteous wrath of God. Saved from bearing your own load, which it will take you an eternity to carry. And the reason it takes an eternity is because that's how long it's going to take you to carry it. In other words, you can't carry it to the end. He picks it up, carries it all the way to the cross, through hell, off, out of the empty tomb, and away out of our sight. So that he can come back in and just say, my children are free. You're free to walk with me. You're free to enjoy me. You are free. Somebody says, I don't don't feel it yet. (laughs) Don't worry. You are. I don't hold it against you, and it's got a shelf life. Do you know him today? And perhaps your celebration on this Resurrection Sunday is that this living Lord isn't just a history lesson. He's standing in the room with you. He'll meet you on your Monday. He'll help you on your Wednesday. He's alive today. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Do you know him? In a moment, we're going to sing a song. Songs are just great space to let God get in in a way that sitting and listening sometimes doesn't. As we sing... Could you look at the penalty of our sin and see that Jesus carried it? Could you look at the beauty of his sacrifice and see that he carried it away? Can you answer within yourself, have I surrendered to this gift giver? If your answer is no, today is a good day to be saved. You'll never forget it. April 4th. It's Tammy's birthday. It'd be easy to remember. Oh, it's Resurrection Sunday also. 2021. You'll never forget it. Or maybe you, 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 know, you've, you know that. You know you've, you've received salvation from the Lord. And he's calling to you to, to make that public, to, to, to make it known. Maybe you've made it known in your family and you want to rejoice in his space and make it known to the body. Maybe he's calling you to, to follow him into the baptismal waters and be buried and raised with him. Let God speak to you. May, maybe, maybe lately Jesus hasn't been great to you. It's not that he's not great. He hadn't been great to you. But today you saw how great he is. And you just got to give him an offering of praise. Let God speak and you respond. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for that great revival that will add many sons and daughters to the kingdom. And thank you that while we wait for that last great Jewish revival, We Gentiles can hear this word, and today we can receive the Lord. Today we can rejoice that we're included in this great salvation. Today we can say, this is the day that I saw for the first time, or I saw anew, the ugliness of the sin that Jesus carried was mine, and he's carried it away. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. Speak to our hearts today speak to our hearts lord jesus speak to our lord our hearts today in jesus i pray amen